don't need a high-end designer or a lot of money to get a luxe look. Be your own interior designer with big design, small budget. Here's your host, Betsy Helmuth. Happy 2018! Yay! I know what you guys are thinking. You guys are thinking, Betsy, 2018 was weeks ago, and I beg to differ. This January has been a doozy. I have been overworked, overwrought, over-anxious. I'm over it. And it's only January. I need a fresh start. So this weekend, I am having a new New Year's. February 3rd is January 1st in my book. It's the first day of 2018. I am starting all over. I got a new bottle of champagne. I've got the movies lined up. My husband and I will be on the couch. I'll be making a few resolutions. And I'm going to wipe the slate clean because we get to say when we get our fresh start and 2018 has not officially begun. I am still in the dregs of 2017. That being said, my mind is on the horizon, on the trends for 2018, and this is part two, following up from part one a few weeks back. So let's dive right in with the trends that you'll be seeing this year in home decor. So the first one that I'm going to add to our list is velvet. So velvet is a trend that is continuing from the runway. We saw it on the runway um, back in September, and it is something that we're going to be seeing throughout home decor, whether it's a plush pillow or a textured ottoman or drapes. Velvet is just going to be everywhere. And I love velvet best in saturated jewel tones. I just think the richness of the color really lends itself to the richness of the fabric. And I also am kind of digging like a burnt out velvet or a crushed velvet that has variations in its texture. Because a flat velvet to me doesn't really do much. And something I don't like about velvet is when you rub your hand across it one way, it often leaves that mark. And then when you rub it the other way, it removes the mark. And while that may look kind of cute, On some kind of pattern, it looks almost stained when it's solid. So I recently got this pillow from Target that has this really cool pink geometric burnout, if you will, so that the raised Greek key slash maze look is made of a pink velvet. And then the base is like a shimmery satin. And I think I got this pillow for like 18 bucks on Target. Run, don't walk. But that's a great example of using velvet, but in a somewhat more interesting way than just another old solid. Something else that's coming up is geometric art. So using shapes in artwork, especially circles, is going to be really big. I, for one, just got an amazing tapestry on Pier 1 that has different triangles that are kind of set into each other. And it's like this macrame type tapestry that then has some sequins woven in because that kind of natural fiber, anything really natural or that looks handmade, is again going to be very hot this year. And that takes me right to my next one, which is woven textures. So I was just talking about macrame, but in this case, woven textures means more like baskets. But it's not just going to be used in a basket form. Rather, this woven type rattan finish could be around a light fixture, a lamp base. It could be all sorts of different things from an end table that's made from woven reeds to just a stool that's beside an armchair. 
that has kind of a wicker texture to it. So woven interlocking branch type formations going to be very big and you're going to be seeing them in a variety of applications. Also, we will be seeing lavender. So last year's color was millennial pink, which is a very soft, almost blush sort of pink. And this year, apparently, we're going to be seeing lavender, or as some places are calling it, lilac, which is just a very pale. um, Actually, it didn't look that pale in the pictures. It's more of a mid-tone purple. I think that purple is slightly problematic. First of all, it's a color that leans very feminine, just like last year's millennial pink. So I'm feeling a little bit disappointed. I'm feeling like we need to balance out the energy a bit more. I don't want it to become princess palace. Also, as you guys know from listening to my podcast, purple, when you're looking at a prism of light and when you're thinking about that Roy G. Biv, well, violet is the lowest color in the spectrum. And it has the highest frequency of vibration. So it makes people feel very uncomfortable. That's why it's associated with mysticism, with wizards, because it's just a color that isn't stable, unlike the other colors, which are more centrally located in the prism. So it's just a divisive color all the way around. And it used to be my favorite color back in junior high and high school, but I have since departed because like I said, I think it can get a little too girly. A trend that I am fully behind is tone on tone. So tone on tone means that you stick with kind of a monochromatic color palette. So let's just say we were really going to embrace navy blue and we did layers of slightly different navy blue on top of each other. So for instance, I would paint the wall a navy blue, and then I would do a wooden cabinet in front of it that is another dark blue, and then I would put a rug in front of that that is a really saturated indigo. And the whole point of this tone on tone is that they wouldn't be the exact same shade. And while that might bug a lot of people, It would bug you because you'd think, oh, those navies don't really match. As long as you're layering more than just two. So for instance, if I put a navy chest in front of that navy painted wall, well, that looks like maybe you just kind of miss the mark if they're not the exact same tone. But when you layer a third type of dark blue, like that indigo rug, it looks intentional. Like, oh, I'm intentionally mixing a lot of variations of navy to get this very trendy tone-on-tone effect. So I think it can be really impactful, really aesthetically pleasing, and a great way to utilize color while still staying sophisticated because I think you start to get less sophisticated when you merge a lot of different colors, when you're mixing a lot of Roy G. Biv versus staying in one lane. And now it's time for a quick commercial break. Is there one room in your home that could use a makeover? One room that you just don't feel good about? Well, for $3.95, you can work with one of Affordable Interior Design's amazing designers to completely transform that space in two hours. It's our virtual transformation package for $395. Work with our design pro, Kelsey Surak. She's been with Affordable Interior Design for five years. And in the two-hour experience, you will not only create the perfect layout for that room, you'll also online shop with our designer for six to eight items that fit your style and your budget perfectly. 
Reach out at affordableinteriordesign.com today. Let us know that you heard about this special package on our podcast. Use promo code podcast to get 15% off our virtual transformation package. Once again, you can reach out to us at affordableinteriordesign.com or contact us at info at affordableinteriordesign.com to set up your virtual transformation today. Another popular trend for 2018 is painted trim. So whereas we most of the time think about having a painted wall, which is the color, and then the trim being a neutral, like a white or an off-white, what they're suggesting is that you paint the trim the color. The trim becomes the charcoal gray or the emerald green, and the walls remain the neutral, like the off-white or the gray. I think that this is a very hard look to pull off. You have to know what you're doing and be confident about it. And I also think you have to continue it throughout the space. So just having trim that's painted a lively color in the living room and then everywhere else it's white or off-white feels problematic. It feels architecturally inconsistent. So my recommendation would be to paint the trim all the same color. And if you're going to go for this bold, somewhat trendy look, well, you'd have to do it throughout. And that's the problem I have with trends is that you're stuck with them if there's something that is big or expensive. And a paint job is big and expensive. So this is not a trend I'm going to be embracing for my clients. Recently, I did have a client, and this was back in 2017 before it was cool, who really insisted that they wanted gray trim. And I do think that's awesome. And I do think that that can be a really interesting look that would set your space apart from other spaces. But my concern with that is that you do have to continue it throughout. And luckily, they had a relatively small apartment, so that was really easy to do. But you should consider that not only are you doing the trim, but you have to do the doors, you have to do the window ledges, the window framing. So it gets a little bit bigger than just the baseboard. If you have crown, you need to consider that too. And I also think that you need to be doing this sort of accent treatment on molding that looks really cool. So this kind of treatment would not be effective on three-inch plywood baseboards from Home Depot. Basically, you're putting lipstick on a pig, right? You have to have really beautiful pre-war moldings, really interesting details if you want to show them off. And so few of us have those gorgeous architectural finishes. So for most of us, I think this trend is just out of reach. And for the rest of us who do have cool moldings, I think it's somewhat impractical in terms of being hot this year, being overworked next year, and people will be over it and you won't want to repaint. So there we go, guys. As I see it, between this week and last week, you now know all the important trends for 2018. Before I go this week, I want to share an analogy with you that I recently came up with because I was trying to explain what I do and just the different packages and the way we work. So, so many times people are like, you know, 
I want to use your services. I want to use an interior designer. But the thing I'm grappling with is what if I don't love everything? What if I don't want to move forward with everything? And certainly with our plans, there's zero obligation to buy everything that we recommend. You can just do part of the work and not all the work. You may have pieces you want to reuse. And it reminded me of how you might work with a stylist. So say you wanted a wardrobe revamp. And so you hired a stylist to come over and look at what you have in your closet, but then augment it, adding jewelry, adding statement pieces, adding other things to really finish the look. And so you give her that budget, right? You give her that number that you would feel very uncomfortable exceeding. And you say, I'm willing to go to this number. Show me what you've got. Well, then she comes back with all of her recommendations and you say, you know what? I like this one. I don't like that one. So she goes back and she works it and she shows it to you again. And then you have the plan. You have the shopping list of things you can click and buy. It's very similar to what we do. Now, you don't have to execute her vision, but if you want the best look, you should trust her. And you can go and buy similar items from TJ Maxx or from H&M but it won't give you that polished look you are going for. You should just give her that number you want to work with, that max budget, and be willing to go there. And after she's done her edits and tweaks based on your opinions, you should just implement it as is. You're going to get the most value from the package when you do that, and you're going to get that look you were hoping for when you kind of go all in. And by all in, I mean you're still in your safety zone of that budget. But really think critically about how much am I willing to spend to get this look? Then put your trust in the hands of this expert and really go for it. Because I have a hard time doing that. I never feel quite satisfied with my wardrobe. I always feel like something's missing or it looks too juvenile or it looks cheap. And I'm always like piecemealing things from Macy's within a stitch fix box here and there. And I think it would have been more practical and I'm still toying with the idea of just hiring a stylist, just one and done. Take her recommendations, give her the top number I'm willing to go to, and go for it. So I was just putting that in context, and I'm not saying that correlates with everybody's design process, but it's so funny because I really have no interest in clothing, but I think the overlap between the two industries is quite strong. And I was thinking of that the other day when somebody was like, well, I want to give you a budget, but I don't really want to go all the way. I'm like, no, 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 just give me that all the way budget and I'll give you the best I've got. So think about that when working with a designer, but also think about that when creating your own design process. Rather than nickel and diming each purchase, think of it more holistically and then from there decide how it breaks down into individual pieces. But really judge holistically. Like what's that complete wardrobe I could get for my budget? What's that complete home look I could get for my budget versus sweating the $100 sweater, which I would definitely sweat, or the um, $60 pair of jeans, which I would still sweat. So there we go. I don't know. That may have just been a random tangent. Again, I'm closing out 2017 in a muddled way. So uh, next week when it's Betsy's 2018, I'm sure I'll be more focused and uh, ready to share even more design tips with you. So until then, guys, have a wonderful week and a happy, happy new year.
A big thank you to our amazing producer, Catherine Heller, to Aton and the MBCR House Band, and to Affordable Interior Design, the sponsor of this podcast and the premier place to get an amazing look on a budget. Check out affordableinteriordesign.com. If you guys love the show, the very best way to support us is by spreading the word. Tell your friends or write us an awesome review on iTunes. So until next week, guys, thanks so much for joining us, and I'll talk to you soon. Bye.